If I asked you who the first astronaut was, you'd probably say Yuri Gagarin of the former Soviet Union, since he was the first human to journey into outer space back in 1961. If I asked you who the first American in space was, you'd probably say Alan B. Shepard. He made it up there into our endless starry backyard just 23 days after Yuri. It was the height of the space race, and everyone was trying desperately to claw their way into space and to be the first to do anything and everything. Less than a year after Yuri and Shepard, the world saw John Glenn become the first human being to orbit the Earth. A few years later, in 1969, 500 million people, the largest audience of all time then, watched Neil Armstrong walk out onto the moon closer to the stars than any human being had ever been and plant a flag. So now we all know it's not made of cheese, which is terribly unfortunate. And it's amazing they all survived. The spacesuits at the time were nothing like they are now. If you Google pictures of the first astronauts, they look like they're wearing bad spacesuit Halloween costumes made of tinfoil, rubber hoses, and duct tape. Really, they were made of neoprene rubber and aluminized mylar. Now our astronauts are decked out in the equivalent of many personal aircrafts with 14 different layers of material and about 300 feet of tubes, all designed to help regulate body temperature, proper pressure dynamics, and help protect them if anything were to go wrong up there. Because a lot can go wrong up there. There's no denying that the first people in space were brave, adventurous, and above all, curious to see what was out there. But someone else was first. Actually, many someones were first. But the first someone to go up there, perform functioning tasks, and survive did so months before Yuri Gargarin or John Shepard. This brave soul was known simply as number 65, but we remember him as Ham. And he wasn't human at all, just very nearly so. He was a chimpanzee, and he was an astronaut, and this is his story. This is the story of all the animal astronauts that changed the world and turned the impossible ideas of space travel into endless possibility. I'm your host, Kristen Robine Terpstra, and this is the History Cache. Let's have a look inside. There's no exact point that determines where our atmosphere ends and space begins, but we draw an imaginary line somewhere around 68 miles up. That's 110 kilometers from the surface of home. We call this the Kármán line, and scientists generally agree that this is where Earth's atmosphere meets the incomprehensibly vast frontier of space. By the time we finally ventured out to dip our toes in star stuff, a ton of animals had already made the journey, starting with some fruit flies that made it 68 miles up in 1947. They were actually recovered alive, which is not what happened to a lot of the animals that made successive journeys, so if you're particularly bummed out by untimely animal deaths, maybe fast forward a bit until we get back to ham. The first mammal in space was a rhesus monkey named Albert II. He made it a whole 83 miles up in 1949, but was unfortunately killed upon impact at re-entry. 
He was anesthetized at the time and implanted with sensors to measure his vital signs, so I'm just gonna blindly assume he didn't feel anything, because dead space monkeys make me sad. There was an Albert I, but he died before reaching peak altitude, and subsequently Albert III and Albert IV also both died when their rockets failed. Then we stopped naming our space monkeys Albert. We weren't the only ones experimenting with animals in space. China was launching mice, rats, and even dogs between 64 and 66. The French launched a cat, a black and white stray pulled from the streets of Paris named Felicette in October of 1963. She was chosen due to her good disposition and the fact that all the other cats had gotten too fat for the cat rocket. She made it almost 100 miles up and thankfully returned home safely although she was euthanized two months later so scientists could examine the electrodes implanted in her skull. She is the only astrocat in all of history and experienced weightlessness for several minutes during her flight. How many of us can say that? A Kickstarter raised over 57,000 US dollars to immortalize her with a bronze statue in Paris, and she absolutely deserves it. Less than a week after Felicette's famous flight, France sent up another cat whose name is now lost to history. Unfortunately, this poor soul perished when the rocket exploded a mere 11 kilometers or 7 miles before making it to space. Alors mon cher monsieur ou madame chat, je vous salue. While we were shooting monkeys into space and France was busy with astrocats, the Soviet Union could not get enough of space dogs. They also sent up the Zond 5, the first spacecraft to circle the moon, and staffed it with wine flies, mealworms, plants, seeds, bacteria, and what I imagine were two incredibly confused Russian tortoises. They sent a rabbit, too, but that was a whole different thing. But the dogs, they sent 12 up in all, and they used strays they found on the streets of Moscow because they thought stray dogs were more capable of handling extreme cold. God, that's sad. Laika, a Siberian husky mix with a mouth that almost makes her look like she's smiling in her pictures, was the most famous of these dogs because she was the very first animal ever to orbit Earth. So, move over, John Glenn. Sadly, Laika's trip would only be one way. And this one is particularly devastating, because the Soviets couldn't figure out a re-entry plan for her in time for the launch, so she died in orbit. She most likely died only hours into the trip due to overheating, but some estimates put it at days. She burned up somewhere in the upper atmosphere in April of 1958. She's now immortalized as of 2008 with a statue near a Moscow military facility, the statue is shaped like a rocket that forms into a human hand, cradling Laika in its palm up towards the stars. Oh, this episode is making me so sad. I am not too proud to say that when I was researching all this, I cried a little bit when I got to the Laika part. On a lighter note, Russian space dogs Veterok and Yugolyok, I think, survived and came back home safely from a 22-day Earth orbit in 1966. They still hold the record for longest space dog flight. They were very good boys. As for the U.S., we were monkey crazy. We sent up 32 in all. 
After the tragic flight of Albert II in 1959, Abel and Baker, a rhesus macaque and squirrel monkey respectively, both became the first non-human primates to successfully return to Earth after a space flight. They were weightless for nine whole minutes. Little did you know, or your parents know, or grandparents, that when they were enjoying their morning cereal, or full homemade breakfast because it was still the 1950s, that there were monkeys floating somewhere up in space at the same time. Then came the most famous of astro chimps, our dear number 65. He was captured by trappers somewhere in the French Cameroons of West Africa. This is particularly disheartening as chimpanzees are now endangered and are in grave danger of becoming extinct, partly because of encroachment, partly because people catch and kill them for bushmeat, and partly because of the illegal wildlife trade. Number 65 was taken from his home and sent to a rare bird farm in Florida until he was sold to the U.S. Air Force in 1959, who relocated him to Holloman Base in New Mexico, where he took part in training to become an astrochimp. His handlers nicknamed him HAM, an acronym for Holloman Aerospace Medical Center, and he was one of 40 chimps chosen to take part in a rigorous training program. The whole point was to see if a human astronaut could perform motor tasks in space, and since chimps are as close as you can get, having the same internal suspension and organ placement as humans, they were considered the most logical choice at the time. 40 chimps were taught to pull levers in response to stimuli like light and sound, if they failed to respond correctly within five seconds, they were given a mild shock on the soles of their feet. If they responded correctly and quickly enough, they were given a banana puppet. Just like the human astronauts training at the same time, the chimps were introduced to microgravity and g-forces to help prepare for their flights into space. Throughout training, the most promising chimps were selected down to a group of six and moved to Cape Canaveral. Once there, they kept on with their training until Ham was finally chosen due to his high energy and general good mood. The day before the flight, he, as well as a female alternate, were fed low residue diets, given physicals, fitted with biosensors and monitored in their pressurized cabins. With four hours until launch, Ham was suited up, placed in his biopack, and made ready for the flight that would make him famous. Ready for takeoff, he was strapped safely to Mercury spacecraft number five. It looked like a small metal cylinder with a large window. It was made of aluminum and fiberglass and fitted with plexiglass, so Ham could watch out the window as he made history. It almost looks like something you'd expect someone to travel to the bottom of the ocean in instead of up into space. The cabin was designed to allow Ham to breathe, even if cabin pressure failed internally. The capsule was boosted by a Mercury Redstone 2 rocket, and on January 31, 1961, Ham was launched into history. And he did his job well. All the training had paid off, and Ham was able to perform all the lever-pulling tasks he'd trained for. He was a professional astronaut, after all. And it's a good thing the capsule was designed as it was, because a couple of things went wrong. There was a loss of air pressure in space, but the capsule functioned exactly as it was designed to, and Ham was able to breathe just fine. But Ham flew faster and further than anticipated. 
it was thought his capsule would soar to 115 miles at 4,400 miles per hour. Instead, he made it 157 miles at 5,857 miles per hour, putting him 132 miles further out than anticipated. He flew for 16 and a half minutes. When his capsule splashed back down to Earth, it was flooded with water, and if the rescue helicopter hadn't arrived when it did, Ham would most likely have drowned. But he survived, and was, according to all accounts, in a good mood when he was recovered. He even shook hands with the recovery ship's captain before happily accepting an apple. He arrived back home to a buttload of paparazzi, and that put an end to his good mood. He snapped at several of them, and was clearly not in any mood for the TV cameras. He was a bit cranky, tired, and slightly dehydrated. But other than that, Ham, the astro chimp, was totally fine. And he retired in fame and luxury at the Smithsonian National Zoo in Washington, D.C., until moving to the North Carolina Zoological Park, where he passed away in 1983 at the age of 26. He was sent to the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology for necropsy, and from what I can tell, his skeleton is still there. The rest of his remains were interred at the International Space Hall of Fame, an honor he more than earned. Thank you, Ham. Thank you, Felicet. Thank you, Laika. Thank you to all the Alberts. Thank you, all animals of the final frontier. Our knowledge of space and the advances made by the space program would not be what it is today if it hadn't been for the monkeys, dogs, cats, tortoises, fruit flies, spiders, rabbits, gerbils, and mice that did what no human could have done. It's very possible that given the unsustainable, exponentially growing population of Earth, global warming, the fact that everyone seems to want a nuclear weapon, pollution, and environmental destruction, space may just be the key to the survival of our species. 99.9% .9 of everything that has ever been alive is now extinct. Extinction cycles are a natural phenomenon, too. There have been five major ones, and there's no reason to think there won't be another. Some believe we're in the midst of one right now, given the mess we've made. Billionaires like Elon Musk are trying hard to engineer space travel. NASA is planning for human missions to Mars in the 2030s, and terraforming it successfully would mean if anything were to happen to those of us on Earth, our species would survive somewhere. Famous astrophysicist Carl Sagan once said, quote, We live in the middle of a shooting gallery with thousands of asteroids in our path that we haven't even discovered yet. So, let's be at least a two-planet species as a backup plan. So it's possible that Ham, Laika, Felicet, and all the Alberts, along with the dozens of other animal astronauts, will be the ones who end up saving us all. So the next time you find yourself under the stars, look up and take a moment, and remember, and say thanks to all our friends who found their destiny among the stars. Damn it, I'm so depressed. Why did I freaking play piano music? That brings an end to another History Bite mini-sode. I hope you enjoyed it, and that you got way less lacrimose than I did. The next big episode is on its way, so stay tuned. 
If you'd like to donate and help keep me full of caffeine and popsicles, I would appreciate it with every fiber of my nerdy being. And if you can, leave a review to help other people find the show. More people need to know about AstroCats. I've been your host, Kristen Robine Terpstra, and this has been the History Cache. Join me again when I will bring you a whole new episode of History Better Than Fiction. And until we meet again, go make some history. And maybe pour one out, or raise your glass tonight, to the heroic animals of space. Houston out.